3: Wow. Good to see you. Good seeing you, too. I want to know if the dream you dreamed about having this career Mm -hmm. has already exceeded the dream, or are you living the dream? Did it look like this?
2: Exceeded the dream.
3: It exceeded the dream. Exceeded the dream. At thirty-two in a few days, (laughs) you've exceeded the dream. Yeah, happy belated birthday, by the way. Happy, thank you. No problem. No problem. Yes. So now you got to dream a bigger dream.
2: Yes, I think um, over time it's always been small success to small success to small success, and you set these goals, and you know God's been giving me everything I want at an extreme rate. So it's like, okay, I got to recalibrate. I got to figure out what the next benchmark is. What's the next set of goals that I want to accomplish? So. At 32, it's been um it's Are been you about ready fruitful. to dream a new dream? I am. Yeah.
3: I am. I think that's so interesting because you say God's already exceeded any expectation that you had. Yes. And when you are starting out, you're just happy to get a role, yes. right? Yes, yes.
2: Yeah. A lot of people don't understand, I guess, the process of acting and kind of, you know, the audition process. Yeah. Or, you know, when you first start out, you kind of are at the mercy of what you're casted for. Yeah. But when you get in a position to be able to say no to things, or, yeah. um, well, because another thing with, with acting, you become way more famous and popular than you are financially stable. Yeah. <laughs> so.
3: So, so so people think you're richer than you actually oh, are. Oh, for sure. I Particularly mean, in the beginning, right? Especially in the beginning. Especially in the
2: beginning. Coming from Newark, New Jersey, they see you on, you know, on a commercial or, you know, a print yeah. ad in the, you know, the Sunday newspaper, and they think you're a millionaire and you're, yeah, you're good to right. go. Like, let me right. borrow this, let me borrow and that. Do, I
3: was going to say, and do you find that people ask for money in direct proportion how much they think you have? I, what they what they think I have? Yeah, yeah. What yes. they think what you they have? Because I, I remember when I was working in Baltimore, everybody only needed five hundred. Okay, and that, then, cool. yes, and that was cool. Yes, that was manageable. That was cool. That cool. And then as soon as I moved to Chicago, it was five thousand. <laughs> and then now people would just call me up. I need fifty thousand. Fifty thousand. Like yeah, like now, yeah, now.
2: So yes. No, it's definitely been a thing. It's, you know how you know with the announcements and trades and everybody's announcing the things that we have going on, they equate that to a total different. Yeah. Financial situation but are you catching
3: up, I'm catching, catching up now? You're
2: catching up. You're catching up. I'm being smart, you know. Um, constantly reinvesting into the dream. You know, I've yeah. never been a really materialistic person, so I think my family was always been the first order of business. And then I, once I get that kind of taken care of, then it's like, all are right.
3: Are you still living at home?
2: We're still living together. Okay. <laughs> we're still we're still living together. That's good. Yeah, yeah, we're together. We're that together. works for you. My mom in here somewhere. Yeah. yeah there you go.
3: Your mom's in yeah. here. My mom, my aunt, my cousins, my, oh my God i thank saw you. your mom remember i saw your mom at an event late december yep your mom gave me a rum cake that she did we she gave me a rum cake i took that rum cake hold steven had that rum cake for breakfast <laughs> i saw the video
2: it was very sweet thank you so yeah, much but, it yeah. made her whole you,
3: you made everything. the best rum cake yeah. we've ever had in our lives <laughs> thank you so much yep. so fruit obviously was a turning point
2: yes for me as a man, as an actor, you know, I've always been a part of an ensemble cast. I never mm-hmm. had a chance to, you know, you have very talented actors out there that can't open up a movie or can't be the lead of right. a film. And I really wanted to know what type of actor I was going to be. If I had the ability, if I had the skills to, yeah. to open up a film. And Fruitvale Station was the first one I had a chance to be the lead and, you know, the success that we had it. You know, at Sundance, and then, you know, um, critically, it it did very well. And
3: now you and Ryan Coogler have this thing, you know? It's like Aaron Sorkin has Jeff Daniels, Mm -hmm. and the Coen brothers have Francis McDormand, and you and Ryan have this, what is it? Symbiosis. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think it's a brotherhood. I think it's, um, you know, we're the same age. We're from similar places. You know, he's from Oakland. I'm from Newark, New Jersey. And um, it's a...
3: What does it feel like to be in his care? Like, you know he's he's there directing, and it feels like what?
2: Confidence. Okay. Trust.
3: Trust, yeah.
2: You know, being comfortable. You know, being able to, he says, run through this brick wall. You know, I, I'm going I'm to a trust him. I'm going a, I'm to a go for it. You know? If, if, you know it's not going to hurt. Just run through that brick wall. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Because I know he won't put me in a position. That's good. That's going to be, you know, that's going to That's gonna hurt me or damage me in any type of way. We have an understanding of, of what we're trying to build and what we're trying to do. You know, any movie that I want to do that, you know, that we want to say something, we want to have any type of uh, meaning to it and really you know, have have a message to come across, Ryan's the guy for that, you know? And he's not going to get into something that he doesn't fully have his heart into.
3: So that's when it started to take off. And did you say, hmm, this is good. This is good right here. I said... And then along comes Creed, and then Creed Two. What, did, what, did, what were you saying to yourself? Mm.
2: Do you want to be perfectly honest? When, before we even shot one frame of Fruitville Station, Ryan already pitched to me Creed One, Really? And was like, hey, do you want to go shoot this movie about Apollo Creed, son? And I was like, cool, let's do it. And this is before we even started filming Fruitville Station. So it was that type of trust that we had from the beginning.
3: That's great.
2: So it was like, okay, let's do it.
3: And that's also great because I know a lot of actors, when they're in the starting out, particularly, mm. there's this feeling like, will this be my last film and what will be the next film and how will I build on this? So you didn't even have that. You I already did knew. have
2: that, though, because I wasn't... But you already
3: knew you were going to work. But he didn't...
2: Sly didn't even say yes, you know? We, it yeah. was one of those things that was in the infancy yeah. stages that we didn't... I, it was Nothing was guaranteed, and I think that's how I always approach everything, That's nothing's guaranteed, and I got to treat every situation that I'm in like it could be my last. Just because the fear of... You know, lack of opportunity. So I think that's what kind of really got the gears turning towards production and ownership and being able to write and create so I could be able to control my own destiny a little bit more, you know, not not wait on the incoming phone calls. Take yes. a page out, out, out your book a little bit. You
3: Thank know. you. Nice, nice uh, yeah, yeah. page. I got you. I got nice you. page. Yeah. Uh, in her book, Michelle Obama talks about the intense responsibility she felt as being a part of the first... Uh, African-American family to occupy the White House. Now, you're not the first black movie star. No. Nope. But you are part of a very elite group. And so I guess I'm wondering if there's a place where race and uh, art intersect for you. Like, do you choose things based upon something bigger than whatever's going on in the moment?
2: Yes. I think, you know, that's that's a kind of complicated question, but for me... I always found myself being the Trojan horse. Mm. I always looked at myself as like the guy who could infiltrate and and kind of keep the door open, you know, Mm. and kind of open it up as much as I can. So there was a time right after Fruitville Station where I only wanted to go out for roles that was written for white males, you know, Caucasian males. I didn't want anything that, in the breakdown, if it came up as African American, I didn't want to do it because I felt like there was a certain bias you know, from writers that were writing from what they experienced or what they saw in right, right, right. the news and media. You know, they never really had, a, you know, contact with, you know, black and brown people, so they were writing from their experiences, which came with a certain bias. And you
3: wanted to say, I can do it all?
2: I can do whatever it is. Yeah. I yeah. want the roles that Leo's playing, that Tom, that, you know, Bradley, we're Coopin here. You know, that, that Brad, Bradley for you. That's <laughs> my guy, you know? And, you know, Bradley and Ben and Matt, those are people that kind of took me, you know, in and gave me advice very early. And um, and kind of encouraged me to continue to do the things that I'm doing. So my mind state was like, okay, if I could do a role that was written for them, you know. Inherently, of course, me playing the role is going to make it that. It doesn't need to be in a breakdown that it's African-American from X, 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 Y, and Z.
3: And I'd read that there was also some consideration because when your mother was on the set of Wire and you were killed, yes. that your mom had, like, a little breakdown thinking it was actually She's you. A cryer. She's a crier. She's a crier. She's yeah. a crier. And so My you had decided you were going not going to do roles where you're killed anymore, but you are definitely dead as a Killmonger in a Black Panther. I'm, I'm definitely dead
2: in that movie, yes. 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 And, and, um, it's, and it's one of those things where... It's something that Denzel said. You know, he wanted, he was like, you know, he he wanted the audience to view him as somebody that survived at the end of the movie, that was the hero. So they can get used to seeing you as the lead, as the hero character. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. I'm tired of dying. I would love to make it to like the end credits. (laughs) So let's let's switch it up a little bit. So, yeah, yeah mom, mom had a lot to do with that, and Denzel also kind of giving me that little piece of advice that I felt like would help me out in the future.
3: So even though you died mm-hmm. in... It, 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 Ryan it was Kugel, worth it. It was worth it. And he's, uh, Ryan signed on to do the next version mm-hmm. of Black Panther. So will you be resurrected? I know nothing. You know nothing. The crazy thing is, like, everybody assumes me and Ryan are so
2: close that he tells me everything. He keeps things from me. Like, I literally have to, like, trick him into answering certain questions. But he doesn't, he doesn't, uh... He doesn't divulge. He, he can keep a secret.
3: Okay. He can keep a secret. Would you like to be revived? I would. I think that would be pretty cool. I think it's Wakanda. Anything I can happen. I think it's Wakanda. Anything Anything, anything sure. can happen. Okay. Yeah. I heard a rumor. There's been this buzz that you're going to be the next Superman. Yeah, that was that was a rumor. I heard that. I heard that.
0: <laughs> I, did. I
2: heard that. I heard I heard I heard a few rumors buzzing around. I think just to be in those conversations, it's flattering and very humbling that they would like. Would that. you
3: like to be Superman?
2: It's tough. You know why? Because I hate being a businessman also, and like understanding both sides of of the situation. And I yeah. think there's a huge upside to it, but then there's just being under that microscope of just. Being picked apart and compared to so many different versions of Superman, I, I would I would rather do something original. Really. But.
3: But the yeah. chance to be Superman. I mean, it's, it's cool. In your skin. Yeah.
2: I'll be Calvin. I'll be Calvin Ellis. You know, there's a, there's another version of Superman that from Earth 23. I'm a comic book guy. Okay. You know, so Calvin Ellis is like you know Earth 23. I don't there know who black... you're talking about, but so
3: okay. So, so... And I just had a little moment where I'm like, am I going to act like I know what he's saying? <laughs> or... Do I just do that little kind of? Oh yeah, Calvin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: There's, oh yeah. There's a, there's another version of Superman in another dimension that is black already in the comic books that exist, and I think the 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 comic book you know purists can accept that more than me being, uh you know Clark Kent from Kansas. And I, yeah. I, I, I that's a different that's a different thing.
3: So, that's a that's a very a different, different thing. Di- very different thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I I read somewhere, and I think this is really important for anybody that you had said it's more important what you say. Yeah, because we can reuse them. That it's that is fancy. Fancy. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. I was nice. Metal straws, I'm mm-hmm. cool with that. Uh, that you've said that what you say no to is equally as important as what you say yes to. I think that's important for everybody in their life, but in particular in choosing roles, right? Yeah, no, nah, yeah. for
2: sure. It, yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, you can't you can't do everything. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be oversaturated. I, you know, I don't want everybody to see me, you know, 24-7, 365, you know, you know, year after year. You know, I, I want to do things that really move the needle in one way. You know, I, I want to be very, you know, strategic about the moves that I make and the, and the you know, the roles that I play because you're immortalized forever. You know, once you, you get in front of that camera, you know, and, and, you, and you shoot a film, that's something that people can, you know, go back to and dissect over and over again. So you want to do things that you're proud of and you really, you know, you have skin in the game.
3: Let's talk about the day... The nominations came out Mm -hmm. and Black Panther, with its $1.3 billion grossing around the world, which has changed everything, you know? People said people wouldn't watch films in different parts of the world. And then you see people in all over the world who are lined up for that film. How are you feeling then, first of all? And then we'll get to the...
2: Feeling no. when
3: when when, when every- people were lined up, D- you saw what was happening. It was insane. People were dressing up. They thought they were from Wakanda. <laughs> yeah. Everybody thought they were from Wakanda. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I mean I think it was crazy to see like all the memes and the videos, the home videos from the fans at home, and yes. just everybody like you know with their their permanent marker Killmonger beards and wigs and stuff yes, yes, like yes. that. I felt inspired. I felt like I was really a part of something special that was a lot bigger than me. You know, it was a lot bigger than the movie itself. It it was it was given. It was giving kids and generations a chance to dream again, you know, dream.
3: Not even again, just to see yourself in a way that you never even imagined. Exactly. Yes.
2: Exactly it. So for me, the whole Black Panther movement Mm -hmm. before, you know, before the box office numbers and all that good stuff was just anxiety, nervous, proud, uh, uh, when will, when will it end? When is it going to stop? You know, when, when, when is, uh.
3: But when you all were on set doing it, I mean, I just saw y'all get the Screen Actors Guild the other day yeah. as an ensemble. Yeah. Y'all look so happy and so good up there. Because
2: <laughs> yeah. it's like being with your family all over yes. again. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah.
3: Y'all, uh, yeah, when great. you're doing it... We got to move Andy closer. Yes, yes. We got to, like, we got to yeah, move a Andy bit. closer in. Hey, <laughs> when you're doing it, do you know that this is going to be as big as it is? Do you feel some kind, something energetically, like this is mm-hmm. different than other stuff?
2: We, we felt like we had all the pieces needed to do something special, and if we did our job every day, and we didn't take it for granted that we could do something special, but there's no way that we could have assumed that it no. was going to do no. what what you it's done thinking so about far. No, 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 not at all. No. No. We were just making sure that we took care of the opportunity. You know that if this, we thought about if this doesn't work, when will there be another one? If we don't do this right, we can't. We can't mess this up.
0: Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts.
1: You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu.
2: That was kind of the thing that, that really drove me personally, and I know some of the other, you know, um, other actors as well kind of thought about a lot. It's like, we can't mess this up.
3: So this is the first time you're in a film that's nominated for Best Picture. Yes, ma'am. Does that feel different? Does the actual um, acknowledgement from the Academy, what does that mean? I think...
2: Of course, you know if if you're an actor, if you're in our industry, you know obviously being able to get nominated for an Oscar is on the list of things that you want. You know, yeah. it would be amazing to grab that. I think with this movie in particular, with the cast that we have and the the impact that it's made culturally, that it's already won. You know, it that's it, what it, I think, it, yeah. it, it it won for yeah, I think that's it. The, the kids, the um, box office. What it's doing to the industry as far as the way people think about films moving forward, especially people of color, you know, and um, and 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 um it 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 it, it won then. So now this is like the icing on the cake. You know, now it's everybody else's, um, everybody else is putting the pressure on us of how it feels, and we're really happy and excited that we've come this far. Yeah. You know, um the acknowledgement, of course, would be cool, but. You know, I think I think we've already, already won.
3: Yeah. Okay, so you're going, obviously. Mm-hmm. You already know what you're wearing. Figuring it out. Figuring it out. Yep. <sighs> Who you taking as a date? I don't know, yeah.
2: I think it's like a perfect moment. Ma, you wanna go with me?
3: <laughs>
2: I haven't even talked about it. Ma, you wanna go? Aww. Done. There it is. Done. That's my date. Yeah. That's
3: cool. <laughs> I would think, I would just think that it would be pretty hard for you to date about now. Being you at this point. Why do we always gotta get here? We gotta. Oh man. We gotta. It is, it is hard. We gotta. Yes. We gotta get here, otherwise people will say I did not do my job. <laughs> but, um, but but how do you find someone who can step into this ride with you at this particular time? That's a great question. I don't. I don't know how. I don't. I don't. I'm. I'm. Wor- you I'm need a
2: nice it. church girl. I need a good church girl. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what I need, honestly. You know, it's it's um Aunt Ramona, what do we need? What do we need? What am what am I looking for? I, I don't I don't know. I think for me it's um Hopefully she'll reveal herself when I'm when I'm ready for that.
3: Yes, that's you what know? will happen. But here's the thing, you're turning 32 this week, and um I you I remember s- uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not gonna stay on that long. I it's just, just everybody wants to know. Okay. No, no. Um so I remember so well turning 32 because it's the year we launched the Oprah Show that it went national. Okay. Okay. And my life took off like a rocket. And here's the thing: you know this that when you're riding the rocket, life becomes like a blur. Yes. That you literally don't even know where you're going. I remember so many days that I wouldn't read the itinerary till I came home because yeah. to read it before would like give you used
2: so much. Yeah. You wouldn't stop working.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I just, just go where the people tell me to go. Mm-hmm. So you're on that rocket right now. How do you keep things from blurring and keep from not going numb to things around you? Okay? How yeah. do, Because I I can look back now on, on my life and think there's so many things that happened. I don't even remember I was there. I can see a tape and say, it looks like me.
2: <laughs> people are telling you about moments and you're like, yes, yeah, yeah, that sounds Especially right. people
3: who say, Oprah, remember me? Oh, oh yes. man, it's yeah. so tough. Like, please don't put that pressure on me. I'm so sorry. Like, yes. I can't And then read. when they say, What's
2: my name? Yeah, yeah. Then I think... That's why I always go, it's pleasure to see you again instead yeah. of nice to meet you.
3: It's I just go, woo, that's you. <laughs> see, I don't think anybody Ooh, look would... at you. But nobody <laughs> But nobody will ever oh my God, call her look out.
2: Look at you. Yeah. I, am, I haven't gotten there yet. You haven't gotten there no, yet? No, no, because nobody's gonna call you out.
3: <laughs> They'll still call me out. <laughs> oh, I, I do get called out they about like remember me, what's uh-huh. my name? I think that's so rude, by it, the way. It is. Yeah. It's a little unfair for us. It's enough if we're acting like we know you, so just take that. <laughs> take that. Just just be gracious. Take that. <laughs> Instead of what's my name. Okay. So the question is: how do you, in the midst of all this, are you working on? And I I would say. I wish I had done more work at the time on centering and taking it in, because so much of it is a blur. So what are you doing now to, to manage that for yourself?
2: It's the meditation, it's the the spiritual kind of connection that you have to be able to ground yourself and center yourself, that you're protected moving in these spaces that are constantly taking things from you, your energy, you know, um, you know, just that's dr- that's draining throughout yeah. your life. So when I am on the road, and this is something that I need to work on and I need to do it more, more often because things are getting a little bit more intense for me. Is Blurry, to... it gets blurred. Because you're all, yeah, like you said, you, you said it perfectly. You're going from one place to another, you know, people are, you know, pushing you here, answer this question. And you're, you're coming in, you're in the back door, room. you
3: don't even know what hotel you're in. You at have to get all. up and ask, look at the phone. Sometimes you just
2: walk into a room and
3: be like, oh, this is what we're doing. Hey, yeah, what's up guys? Yeah, yeah. And,
2: you're, and you're, And you're on again. So I think just finding moments um to center yourself to ground yourself to connect You said of connect. meditation
3: so does that mean you like actually there mm-hmm. there <laughs> that
2: that has like meditation has a lot of baggage to it I think there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of you know stereotypical you know you're sitting there you know legs crossed you know yeah. incense burning but you are setting a scene and creating an environment for for energy to to come to you, yeah, and for you to kind of center yourself. So you are, you know, taking deep breaths. You are holding thoughts of what you you want to happen. You are sending your energy out into the universe to take care of whatever needs to take care of. So when you physically walk into that space, it's already done. Yeah, you know. And yeah, I got that. that. That I'm. I'm still a baby yet, and I'm still learning, you know, but I've surrounded myself and have family and
3: friends, you know, that that believe in that, that protect me, that pray do for you, me, you know? Uh, I, I was just gonna ask the, the prayer question. Are you mm. a prayer, more a prayer. Or, or a meditator? Both, I think it goes hand in hand. Yeah.
2: Yeah, hand in hand. So yeah. I think it's prayer and meditation, it, it's it's uh, it's both.
3: And do you think that you live the life that you do because you've been prayed up? 1,000%. Yeah.
2: It has nothing to do with... It. And that's why when I think sometimes I get uncomfortable. I'm still learning how to take a lot of compliments, and appreciation for things that I do because I'm just the vessel for a lot of things. And mm-hmm. I realize that I got to stay out my own way and kind of stick to what I'm doing. So when people say, you know, you know, they, you know, they give me a lot of compliments and it's like cool, but I just I, I try not to really listen or just feed into it that much, because I know it's just a lot bigger than
3: that. Because yeah. it's so hard when you are on the rise and you're surrounded by everybody mm-hmm. who says yes to you and just wants to know, do you want sparkling or flat? Or yeah. water? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, yeah, yeah, where everybody's just like, what can I get you? What can I get yes, you? It's ma'am. hard to stay centered. So I would say this. My assessment of you, having watched you, is that you are a young man who we can see has been raised well. You've been raised well. So what is the lesson? I see your mama going, yes, I did. Uh So what what is the number one lesson from your parents or the lessons that stuck? I know it's not one thing, Mm -hmm. but what is the essence of it? Like how you were raised that allows you to be at 32, to stand inside yourself the way you do?
2: Great question.
3: Um, I think...
2: My parents are very different, but very much so the same. So I think from my dad, I kind of always gotten the the life lesson of, at a very young age, you have to find something you're serious about, something you care about, something you're passionate about, and take it seriously. Just just find something and take it seriously. Put the the time and the effort. That's where I get a lot of my work ethic from. Mm -hmm. I have seen him go to work, you know, work nights, you know, uh, when I'm going to school, he's like, you know, either passed out trying to like, you know, wake up on the couch to see me off or, you know, he's sleep. By the time I get home, he's going out to work. Like, I've seen him put the time in and I know what it takes. I know what goes into, you know, being a man and 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 being the tip of the spear of a household. Mm. And I've also seen. So I think that's what I kind of got like, you know, from my dad. That's a lesson that I, I, I take with me to everything that I do. You know, it's from, the work ethic. It's the work ethic. Okay. It, taking some, find something that you're serious about and be serious about it. You know, and really, and really, you know, hone your craft. Right. And, or your lane and your business or whatever it is, and that's kind of where I got my work ethic from. I think my mom is her heart, is right. the um, like the humanity, my ability to feel. I'm an empath. You know what I'm saying? So I think the the ability to feel people and 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 interact with energies and and finesse and just navigate that is uh, a lesson that I'm constantly learning and trying to, you know, get better at. But I think I get that from my mom for sure, is that, you know, pulling on emotions, you know, I think it helps me out a lot with my acting. I think it helps a lot with me as a person, you know, Just trying to be genuine to the universe, man, and to people. You know, we're all living here, and just trying to. You know, I know it's going to come back to me. You know, in in a way. Yeah,
3: that's my religion. Is the third law of motion: what you put out is coming back. Exactly. I live my way, my life that way. What is the defining value system that you hold for how you lead your life?
2: That you're gonna get what you what you you're, you're gonna get back what you what you put out. Mm-hmm. And as broad and vague as, as that is, I think it's very specific to a lot of things that you do throughout throughout your life. You know, I think when it comes to business, when it comes to personal relationships, when it comes to yourself, mm-hmm. you know, what you put into yourself
3: is what you're going to get out, you know. Um, so do you work on giving yourself good stuff? What do you feed yourself spiritually, I'm, emotionally? I've always put myself last, and that's what I'm working on.
2: Honestly. Really? I'm working on taking care of myself now because mm-hmm. I think I've gotten by... On youth and pure energy, <laughs>
3: and your dimples. Hey, maybe dimples. Maybe I got buy with them too. Dimples are working for ya for 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 a while now.
2: <laughs> and I and I got I think I got need to start reinvesting in myself more and taking time for me. I, I've always you know in your in your mind is like when I get to this point I'll start working on myself or when I get to that point and you just always keep going because you don't want things to stop or you remember a time where. You know, you weren't getting the incoming phone calls and you were sitting at home, you know, not knowing what to do. So I think I've been in this kind of cycle of I got to keep working. I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't stop. So, Are you
3: there? But aren't you like, didn't didn't I just read, you just did a deal with Amazon. You just did a deal with Warner Brothers. Everybody's knocking on your door. Knock, knock, knock. I'm almost, I, go, I feel it? like
2: I'm almost there. I, like I, put, I put down a certain things in place. Like I've, I saw it already. I, I've seen it a couple of years ago. So I'm like, okay. I need this in place. I need that in place. I need this. In do you place. have like
3: a physical vision board, or do you physically man- uh, have a vision for where you want to go? Both.
2: Yeah. I, I, I daydream all the time. You know, I'm always, I'm always daydreaming. I'm always. I, you got to see it first. I got to yeah. see the steps. So yeah. I like, I like seeing where I want to go, and then reverse en- engineering the steps, how to get there. And of course, things are going to change, and you know, you av- you know adapt to you know life and things that come at you. Did but- you
3: see yourself in a 1.3 billion dollar movie?
2: I didn't, but I saw myself in a superhero film and a film that had impact. You did. You know, I did. I always told my I think I was it might have been like right around 2013 or so. I I said I wanted to be Black Panther, you know, because I was the only character that I knew that was like Black, and I was like, man, I wanna I wanna play Black Panther, Black Panther one day. That was what I saw, that's what I told myself. Now I wasn't Black Panther, but I was in Black Panther. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like things are gonna change from how you see it, but
3: And isn't it fun playing the villain? Isn't it It fun? It is, it is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Where did you go to get all that nastiness? <laughs> yeah.
2: I went, I was, I was by myself, I isolated myself. I yeah. just kind of I spent a lot of time alone. Cause I, I figured Eric, you know, his, his childhood growing up was yeah. pretty lonely. Yeah. He didn't have a lot of people that he could talk to about this place called Wakanda that yeah. you know didn't exist. But he was told these stories. It's kind of similar to I don't know, the stories that I was told as a kid, you know, about Africa and how it was, but I haven't been there, my parents haven't been there, not at the time, so who knows that this place even exists or, you know, that's not what we're being taught in history books at school, it's not what we're being taught anywhere. Um, So how do I know this place really exists? So for Eric, you know, he had to keep all this, all of this information into himself until he kind of planned. And of course, it's an extreme exaggerated version of, you know the african the african diaspora from yeah. the african american perspective so to be able to take that kind of pain and rage and and um and all those emotions that eric kind of uh represents from being black and brown here in america i was able to kind of put that you know into a character and put it on screen so that's something that i didn't take lightly and i kind of i kind of i did not I didn't have a process not, i'm not like one of these you know some people have methods or people are this or that i just did whatever i felt I needed to do or whatever I felt was right in the moment every step of the way. So it was no real plan. I didn't have a I didn't have an escape plan either. So really? like every day was just going into this place and I just tried to stay there as long as I could. And then when it was all over, I think I think just being in that kind of a uh, that mind state, that uh, that that real unapologetic, you know, just just real like, you know, whatever all the yeah. time kind of kept it caught up with me and like I got a little you know a little depressed. It was tough for me for a minute. You know really? like just readjusting to being around the people that care about me, getting that love that I shut out for a long time. Like I shut out love. I didn't want love and affection. You know, I wanted to be in this lonely place as long as I could in order to kind of capture the essence of what Eric you know, Stevens was, what Killmonger was. So when when we wrapped the film, you know I'm like in my mind I was like, okay cool, go back to you know regular life and get back to LA and be cool. But it was a little tough for me at first to kind of like accept it. Was hard just love.
3: to lay him down yeah. and be done with it?
2: Yeah. How did it take you a while? It took me it took me, you know, I mean I don't really know exactly when I came out of it, but you know I went went to therapy, you know what I'm saying? I, I started talking to people, started unpacking a little bit. And I in and, and you know, like I when, find when that I so
3: interesting. It, I find that so interesting because I think the body doesn't know the difference. I remember um having this conversation with a famous actor once about uh Anthony Hopkins. I was saying, Anthony Hopkins, I feel for you because, you know, all the stuff you're taking in, you do so well. And he said, I I used to not think about it, but as I've gotten older, I do think about it because he was saying that he had just done a film and he had said to the director he was going to do one wide shot and one Mm close-up because he had to have a heart attack because he didn't want to put his body in that state too many times because your body doesn't know the difference when you get yourself into that state. And so that's why I think it's interesting for people to hear that... Even though you're playing this character, mm-hmm. sometimes the essence of that, the energy of that, still remains. One thousand percent still remains.
2: And like your mind is so powerful, your mind will get your body past a threshold that it would have give, given up on way before. Like you're like like there were moments where physically I probably shouldn't have continued. But my mind was like, no, we're almost to the finish line. You gotta get it past that. You gotta get past that line. But as soon as I got past that line, my body said, okay, we can shut down now. Yeah. And then that would it, it would it would shut down after that. So I think I think honesty therapy, just talking to somebody was something that really helped me out a lot. And as a man, I think, you know, we get a lot of slack for it of, you know, you know, you know, not you know, you know, I don't even talk to nobody, you know what I'm saying? That whole ma you know what it is to be a yeah. man, being masculine, you know, you know, like that. You know, that doesn't I don't really subscribe to that because I feel I feel like everybody needs to unpack and talk, you know, whether it's, you know, at
1: you like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new cause Hulu has new stuff all the time.
2: And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie.
3: So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
1: of a detour.
2: Therapist or, you know, a, a close friend or a family yeah, member or somebody. Good. That's good. Because men- mental illness is real, you know, and it's, uh, it's a real thing.
3: So you've named your company Outlier. Yes, ma'am. Why?
2: After uh, one of my mentors, I mean, I don't even know if he knows he's a mentor, but I kind of look up uh, Malcolm Gladwell's, uh, oh, yeah, of liars, course. you know, like, yeah, um, it's one of his third. I love that book. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to me. And in what he thought went into success. It the 10,000 Hours. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was almost 10,000. It was almost... Ten thousand hours society, but it just didn't come off right. Yeah, <laughs> our, La- our La- society sounded better, but um, that's where you know I kind of got the name from because I didn't want to be put in a box. I didn't want to be stereotyped. I wanted to go against the grain. I wanted to represent the people that felt like they were outsiders, like they were
3: outliers. So I kind of wanted
2: to create a society. But
3: it doesn't mean you feel like you're an outlier, or does it? Oh, I'm an outlier. Definitely. Yes.
2: Okay. Yeah, so I wanted to create a society of, you know, like-minded individuals.
3: So your company incorporated one of the first, actually, inclusion writers used in the industry. Mm-hmm. Explain what an inclusion writer is to the audience and how that works and um, why you did it.
2: Uh, an inclusion writer is pretty much a tool. Well, historically in TV and film, you know, you uh, know, people of color, women, uh, people from, you know, the LGBTQ community uh, are underrepresented. You know, they, they don't really have a lot of opportunities in front of the camera and behind the camera. So, you know, and in, in, in Hollywood, People are used to hiring with people, you know, hire people that you know, people that you've worked with before, um, you know, people that you, you have a connection with, you know, it, it's, it's a cycle. And more often than not, that circle, those people that you that that, that are often being, uh, they look like you. again, they don't look like me. They, yeah. oh, they look like, they look like them. They exactly. look like you hire
3: the people that look like you.
2: Disproportionately, yeah. you know, white yeah. and straight and male. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of the world that we live in. So when I heard Fran kind of come up with the occlusion, right? I was sitting at home, I was like, well, I was actually at the Oscars that day, that, that year. And I was like, wow, there's a, there's a title for this. There's, there's a tool. There's a, there's a policy that could be put into place. And I was like, oh, immediately we, we have to do that. We have to we have to include that in um, outliers. Um, you know, non-negotiable. You know, moving forward, which
3: means, which means that, that you're my have partners a, yeah.
2: are going to have you know uh, that that. It's a tool that holds people accountable. That we, it constantly reminds them of this.
3: That you're not going to, you're not going to have a company where people say we couldn't find anybody. Exactly.
2: You're constantly reminding people of the pool of talent that are underrepresented, like women, people of color, people from the LGBT Which community. Which means you
3: got to work harder every time.
2: One thousand percent. So any partner that I work with, so Warner Brothers, I, I've collaborated with Warner Brothers to help with Warner Media to help write their inclusion policy for all of Warner Media, and that's a huge win. Um, because I feel like huge, huge, first step, um, and I feel like it made it, it, it... Their first money in, you know, any of these big companies and these big yeah. corporations, nobody wants to be the first to do anything, but when you have arguably the number one studio in the world, say that we're backing behind this vision, you know, you'll see other studios and production companies now, kind of Now, you can do line. anything
3: you want. This is the moment, because everybody's like, Michael says that so we should have... <laughs> An inclusion writer.
2: Yeah, no, and, no, yes. And 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 kudos to Amazon for willingly in open arms, you know, welcoming you know, outlier society and our inclusion writer also in that deal. So my uh, my TV uh, first look deal is at Amazon, and they've uh, accepted that as well. So
3: pretty cool, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So you know what I'm really excited about? Uh, the trajectory of your life is is astounding right now, and you are playing um, a role next year. I think it's coming out. Hopefully, uh, this, yeah. I think yeah, so. just mercy. What do you mean? Just hope?
2: mercy. No, not hopefully, but meaning like, you know how it is with dates and, you know, other films hopefully, coming out. Hopefully, I,
3: I, like, I got to date. 20, yeah, 20, 20. It's coming out. It's coming 20, out. It's coming 2020.
2: out. 2020.
3: Okay. All right. Yes, ma'am. Open
2: those things. that I don't know. Okay. She knows it all. It's she knows it all. Out.
3: So it's just mercy. Have you all heard? You've heard of the book. If you haven't. It's one of those books that as an American citizen, you have to read. It's based on the life of uh, De- defense attorney uh, Brian Stevenson. And it's a book that I think as every human being should read, but particularly if you're an American, it, because it flips everything you thought you believed about the criminal justice system mm-hmm. and criminals. Brian has dedicated his life to providing free legal representation to inmates who may have been wrongly convicted or um, denied a fair trial. Yes. Okay, so you're playing him. I
2: am. Set in the late 80s, early 90s. And Jamie
3: Foxx is playing... Is
2: playing uh, um, the... The, um, the, uh, the inmate in, who's inmate falsely that, accused. Yeah, yeah, that I'm and, uh, trying to you're get de- off.
3: trying to defend I'm him. I'm trying to
2: defend him. Yeah, Brie Larson <laughs> plays, uh, you know, um, uh, a colleague, a co-worker that kind of helped vi- uh, Brian's vision kind of come to fruition. So it's, a, it's an incredible cast. So is
3: it a different kind of challenge to play somebody who is a real-life person and still very much alive?
2: Yes. Yeah. Uh, that That... I, the pressure I put on myself to play this person that is so
3: beloved—that
2: yeah. is, nobody's perfect, but man, he, this He's guy pretty
3: is close. Pretty close, yes. right? Yeah. So,
2: I think after meeting the guy and seeing how he was and how everybody kind of, you know, you know, really looked up to him and, and, and the impact that he made, I kind of—I was a little nervous about this one, honestly. Getting it right, I didn't want to do—I just wanted to get it right, honestly. So I spent a lot of time with him.
3: At EGI down at, at the EGI, Eagle down, yep, down in, yeah. in
2: Alabama in the museum and that have they you put up the museum? The museum's incredible. Well, and I encourage everybody to go. If you haven't there,
3: seen the, see the museum, the museum. Where, where it's called the Peace and Justice Memorial, mm-hmm. where they have all of these hanging still rods oh. from the ceiling that has the name of every black person lynched in that county. In that county ca- in that particular in county. That county yeah. and they're
2: encouraging, you know, the, you know, the mayors of that county to claim their memorial it, yes. to bring it out because we haven't had that we have America hasn't had that closure that we haven't had that healing process done here yet. And no nope. feel and, and Brian's ideology behind that is, you know, we You have, can't
3: heal what you don't acknowledge. Exactly. And
2: yeah. until we if we're acknowledging the dirty, deep past yeah, you can't that heal we've what had. We can't move forward. Yeah. So that's another reason why I really wanted to get behind this this project and play him to be able to to give that Give the story some light. It needs to be seen.
3: We, we're looking forward to that January 2020, okay? (laughs) Now, here's the deal. World domination. What does that really look like for you? You know, I always believe that every human being is looking for the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons why I always felt such a connection to my audience, because even as my life progressed and, you know, I was you know, wearing better shoes, my feet were still on the ground Mm. because I understood that every human being is looking to fulfill the truest, highest expression of themselves as a human being. And you're doing that if you're a doctor, lawyer, Mm. if you're a fireman, if you're a clerk, you're looking to fulfill the truest, highest version of yourself as a human being. Mm -hmm. What's that going to look like for you, the truest, highest version?
2: I'm still working on it because I... Like that work I was telling you, I kept putting myself last. Yeah. I want to start defining exactly who that person is. Mm -hmm. And I I think, you know, the goals have, you said, have been constantly changing for me and evolving. World domination is a broad goal that I want to have, but I don't really know.
3: But you do recognize this. May I say this to your 32-year-old self? What? That it isn't just, it isn't the thing that you're looking for because... If something terrible were to happen to you today, your life would already have had meaning and purpose. It's not yes. like purpose is coming; purpose is already here. You've already defined purpose by the way you've lived your life. Mm-hmm. So there's more purpose, but you already have purpose.
2: Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Thank you.
3: Okay, just yeah. letting you know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, but I guess
2: at thirty-two, it's like I can. You know, world domination for me is, I guess, all of the things that I want to have happen and all the future things that I haven't even thought of yet. Yeah. You know, I I enjoy creating things and putting other people on. I like seeing the good in people. I like seeing people's strengths and be like, how can I maximize that? Where where should you go? How can I give you a a vehicle or a lane in order for you to go be the best version of yourself? I I enjoy that selfishly.
3: The hardest part is going to be surrounding yourself with people who... mm -hmm. Not only share the vision but can also execute the vision. Yes, yeah, ma'am. Yeah, right? Trial and error. Trial I'm, I'm going through it. You're going through yes, it. Yes, ma'am. I know what that's like. Yeah. Listen, I wish you the best. Thank you. Stay humble, ride this way. Yes, thank you, Michael B. Jordan. Thank, thank, you, thank you. Michael B. Jordan. You, Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> I'm Oprah Winfrey and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
1: of a detour.